And welcome back to Adam's Rip Podcast, episode 203. New listeners, as always, welcome to the podcast. We are a Christian podcast for women. You can find us in iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify every single Tuesday. You can also go to our website and subscribe to the podcast at adamsrippodcast.com. You can email us at adamsrippodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who celebrated our 200th episode with us. We hope you enjoyed our version of our Red Table Talk and all the guest co-hosts that we've had on the previous last few episodes. This episode, I'm extremely excited about. It is episode 203. We have an amazing, amazing special guest Dr. Barbara. She actually reached out to our podcast, which I'm so grateful for because she has a really powerful message that I definitely cannot speak on and she can only speak to her own experiences. And so it is our hope and our prayer that it'll resonate with our listeners as we talk about trauma delivery. And so I want Dr. Barbara to introduce herself to everyone. Well, hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you. And Lindsay, I'm so happy to be here with you as well. I just felt that when we talked, uh, you were a kindred spirit. And I love your heart to reach out to Christian and seeking women. And the Lord has actually given me an assignment to that regard. And I'm happy to share about that. But first, let me back up and tell you a little bit about me. Uh, for your guests. So I am a licensed psychologist here in the Durham Raleigh area of North Carolina. And I have a psychological practice with about 15 employees and it is my heart to heal our community. But I also have a national platform, uh, which we just call around here, Dr. Barbara or drbarbaralow.com where the Lord has called me to heal women, to help women access faith plus therapy resources that can really set them free. And I have a, I do have a podcast myself. I also have a course called Hearts Returning Home, and it's all about reconstructing your heart home where there's been trauma or unmet needs from your past and healing those places. And I have some free resources I put out there as well. And um, so that's who I am. And I would love to tell you more about the uh, this assignment the Lord's given me, if you're okay with that. Please, please go. This is your episode. I'm going to okay. listen and learn as well. <laughs> because I honestly, I do want to say, because I almost think sometimes, at least I know for me, we tend to define trauma as something physical it may have happened to us, you know, whether it be a rape or molestation, but I feel like people can deal with mental trauma. And I don't know if that is the case, but I'm open to all of it. <laughs> and want to learn oh, more. yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, first of all, trauma is in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. So perception plays a big part in some traumas, but it doesn't make it less real or or uh, or, or diminish or uh 
it's still really important for us to deal with even some of the slighter things that cause us a deeper injury for one reason or another. But uh, we do know that one out of three women are assaulted, raped, or molested in America. So that is wow. a significant number of women. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. So when we lump together molestation, rape, and, and assault, one out of three. So it is a significant problem. But you're absolutely right. When we talk about trauma, there's big T trauma, like a car accident, a head injury, an assault, a uh, robbery, a rape, etc. But there's also little t trauma. And sometimes those can be even more painfully powerful. Because when someone doesn't believe in me or doesn't value me or doesn't see me over and over and over again, especially in my childhood when it's one of my parents or both my mm. parents, and that happens over and over, or I'm put down or I'm criticized, those things have a long-term impact on our development and who we become. Some of it happens before we even have memory or we have memory at the time but we don't remember it now because the way that the brain rewires it rewires so much by the time we're seven that we forget a lot that happens before that and memory doesn't even we don't even encode permanent memory until we are three normally when mm -hmm. we get language so there's there are things that happen that we only remember in what we call our implicit memory, the below the surface memory. And we live that out and we, we can feel that. We can feel it in our felt sense of who we are and not even know where it came from sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like if uh, I, like I've had clients before whose mothers had to check out for long periods of time when they were very young or parents are going through a divorce and very distracted when you're one or two. Those things have an impact on you, even though you don't remember them. And you can have this felt sense of something's wrong with me, or uh, I'm not worthy of attention, or I feel a felt sense of shame or guilt about myself all the time. And it can be from something that's below the surface, below memory that we can access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but the assignment the Lord has given me is he has given me this assignment to heal women because he has told me that the enemy has twisted how we see women and how we treat women in a lot of instances for a very long time. When we look at Jesus, we see he was elevating women. He was uh, valuing yeah. women. He was expanding the range of how women could be used and how women could be seen. And he, I believe he's putting his finger on that today. We know that greater than 50% of the body of Christ is female. Like, I don't know. Have you been to church lately? Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> 60 or 70 percent of your church yeah. is female right yeah and so and so certainly in the american church so so great so we know that greater than 50 percent of the body christ is female well if even a portion of those people those fem those females are not serving the way god called them to because there's a lack of opportunity or because of these wounds from these traumas and we would call if it was if each part were not doing its part. We, we call a human body when a, a large percentage of the body is not doing what it's called to do or supposed to do. We call that disease. Mm -hmm. And I believe the Lord is feeling the disease that's in His body of women being pushed down, undervalued, 
or wounded, and he's called me to be part of the the solution. And I happen to be one of those women who, you know, I love men, I love my husband, so I I don't feel any anger about it at all. Hmm. But, you know, what I feel is a passion to bring awareness to these issues and to bring healing to women. Yeah. Well, Dr. Barbara, let me ask you this. Since you are so passionate about it and obviously knowledgeable about it, is something is trauma something that you experienced? Do you think that was kind of the driving force as to why you feel like God called you to speak on this? Oh, I feel like God's poster child. <laughs> God's like, hmm, I put a lot of tenacity in this one. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna let her go through. So yeah, so I grew up in a home where there was a lot of domestic violence and abuse. I mean, I have memories of my mom waking me up in the middle of the night, hitting me, and then mm-hmm. threatening to go and, and uh, commit suicide. My dad actually did suicide um, mm. when I, that was actually maybe about seven years ago. Uh, so okay. I was an adult when that happened, but it was still difficult. Um, I have had very scary moments with both of my parents, both of whom are uh, addicts or mm. substance abusers. They both passed away in their mid sixties. Uh, mm. I think my dad by suicide and my mom, uh, probably related to how she lived. Um, mm-hmm. And I have also had a, a full term stillborn. And mm-hmm. I've been, I've had, I've been married to two Christian men who were pastor's kids who left me. Mm-hmm. I have had kids with, raised kids with disabilities and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, yeah. um, there's been a lot of abuse and there are things that I'm not even going into, but just, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of abuse, a lot of, um, a lot of that. And I became a Christian when I was 19, I was okay. seeking a change and I was open to anything, but Jesus, Lindsay, <laughs> like, mm, yeah. anything but Jesus, but that it's like God was playing a chess game and, um, I was surprised and he was surrounding me more and more with Christians as I was mm. calling out, even at, uh, finally to God, who are you? Show me yeah. who you are. And I, w- I was born again. I was led to the Lord and it changed my life. But it's also been a process of changing and laying down things that are unhealthy and continuing to grow and uh, becoming a psychologist and getting more and more and more training and as I have trained and as I have also sought the Lord, because I'm 48 now, so this has mm-hmm. been almost 30 years, there's just been a tremendous amount of healing. But now, because the Lord has taught me so much, Lindsay, I yeah. get to help people access it faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. So growing up, did you know of Christ? Like, did anyone ever take you to church? Like, what was the pivotal moment at 19? Like, do you feel like the Lord was tugging on you? Or were you crying out to him even before that? Like, what was that like growing up? Yeah, so I I did not... I. I joke around when I say I grew up heathen, but I didn't grow up with religion. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really grow up with religion, um, but the, there are Christians across the street, and I, I'm pretty sure that they helped pray me into the kingdom. And when I was 18, 19, I was really depressed. I had 
been so depressed that I'd been suicidal uh, Mm -hmm. before. And I had a really bad eating disorder. uh, And I was seeking help for that. And really just realizing my life was not working. So Mm -hmm. I began to seek answers and I began to go to some 12-step groups and um, try a few therapeutic interventions. And the more I got involved with 12-step groups, the more this idea of God was being presented. And so I began to pray. Uh, Well, I, I developed, I had a God box that I developed and I would put prayers in it. And so slowly I'm softening, right? I'm Mm -hmm. slowly softening. I did try out some new agey stuff and some Buddhism stuff and, Mm -hmm. but ended up in some astrology, but I was seeking, see, so I I was, I was seeking in that process. And that's why I'm so non-judgmental about people who are seeking Mm -hmm. coming to the Lord because, um, it might not have looked like to a Christian I was coming to the Lord, but I was slowly warming to him. And I don't know, let me tell you this story. I remember one time I was sitting in a car and I was going for a job interview to work with kids. And this was the beginning of me really, uh, kind of serving humanity in a new way because, uh, It was good for me. I worked with kids for quite some time, and that was a good thing for me. And I remember sitting in my car, and I began to cry, which is interesting because I had been numb for a long time. I had numbed myself on, like, alcohol, drugs, eating disorders. And I said, you're Jesus, aren't you? And I was weeping, and I said, you've been there all along, haven't you? Mm. Now, no one was there telling me that, Rosie. Yeah. I was having a backstory with Jesus that that I wasn't telling anyone. And it wasn't until I got saved, I was able to look back and see, wow, he was wooing me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he was seeking me when I was not seeking him. Yeah, that's powerful. That's yeah. Powerful. And I do want to go back a little bit because earlier you had mentioned that Basically, I feel like you were just giving all glory to God, right? You know, you have the degrees, you have the experience, you know, you you have the mentorship, you have all these skill sets. But I felt like people need to understand that the true source of all of this, and it sounds like what truly saved you was Jesus himself. If you took away the degrees and the professional practice, all that, would that be still accurate? Oh, my gosh. I have... I have family members that have spent their lives in and out of jail. I mean, I... No one in my family has a PhD. This is not mm-hmm. a normal thing in my family. I would have been nothing without him. I am nothing without him. And what I love, Lindsay, about this is that I can say, hey, are you feeling like you're a misfit? Are you feeling like you're an outcast? Hey, so am I. Yeah. And guess what? I have a national platform and Mm -hmm. I, God is using me in all these different ways to heal lives every single day. And guess what? You are God's next big thing too. If you just let him fill you in those hungry, hungry and Mm -hmm. thirsty places and you obey him, not even perfectly, but you obey him. And that is so much my message because I am not, um, I mean, I understand the privilege that comes from my, my white skin. I do understand that. And, and actually, race is one of the things, and privilege is one of the things I do like to talk about 
especially with my, I have a lot of friends who have a lot of different shades of skin. But I, I didn't grow up with the way that a lot of people think I might have grown up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it is all Jesus. And, but I, and I love that I can say, and you can have this too. Right. Because, it's free. <laughs> yeah. Because let me tell you, I didn't know how to people to the point that I would try to study people and people, people thought I was weird. I was not anything that people would be attracted to. Mm-hmm. And now people, I have to set ba- boundaries a lot mm-hmm. because people do want to access, you know, what they see in me. And I, I, I love giving, 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 but I have to set some boundaries and that's part of what I have to do as a psychologist, but imagine going from unlovely, undesirable to mm-hmm. people wanting what you have and having this huge wait list and, you know, pe- people email me or direct message me all, you know, day in, day out all day. Yeah. So, so let me go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just a beautiful thing God has done and I don't deserve it yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally understand that. So I kind of want to back up to to when you were 19, when you had mentioned, you know, he, he, you were seeking, right? He's all I have. This this is what I need. I need to be full. And so I would imagine this did not happen overnight. So maybe if you can in words, can you maybe describe what a healing process looks like for someone that may be in your position this very moment who may be listening to this? Um, is a healing process the same for everyone can we expect some bad days can we expect some good days like what does that healing process need to look like for other people well for me there was um there was a lot of terror for me growing up with with the violence and then uh some other things that were going on as well so once I started to feel again um it was like the waterworks started flowing for me Mm -hmm. and I really kind of white knuckled it between Christian meeting to Christian meeting, hoping for the Lord to touch me in those places. But what I can say is that, A, I didn't realize I probably could have been seeing a really good therapist at the time. I wish I wish I would have had my own, I don't mean for this to sound weird, but I wish I would have had my own Dr. Barber then, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I can say this, though. God always met me. I remember one time crying out and just feeling like, God, it's so hard. This is so hard. Help me. And I remember reading this scripture that um, it's what it, I forget what psalm it is, but it's a, it's the psalm where it says, and God came down with his nostrils flaring and he rescued mm-hmm. his people. And it was one of those mighty God rescuing his people. And right after that, God brought a mentor into my life that really helped me a lot. And I knew, I knew that he heard me when I cried out. Mm-hmm. And right mm-hmm. after that, he brought her and, and he encouraged me that he heard me. And stuff like that happened all the time. Yeah, He, he met me. I'm going to say this, though, to that person. One of the things that I've done, my life has not been perfect. I've married two guys that didn't love me. Okay. So I repeated the pattern a couple times before I finally got it right. I never wanted to be divorced and mm-hmm. I'm a very loyal person. So, but what I can say is one of the things I did is I have a quiet time every day. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean, I get into the word of God and I, um, I either do a study or, um, as 
life has gone on and I know the word better, I do my own studies now. So important to be in the word and and make sure that you're not just reading I call it grace and truth. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to read just as much grace as you do truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you've been hurt, like I was probably more grace. Yeah. Because you're going to use the truth to beat yourself up too much. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. You had mentioned like mentors and all that. Who, who, who are some of the people that like influenced you? Like what, what besides Christ himself, what I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is if someone like myself or, or or another woman is seeking maybe that accountability partner, what sure. where should they find these people? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like well, where would one begin to find these mentors? Well, ultimately, <laughs> we need to have people who are pouring into us, people who are at our level, and then as we grow, people we're pouring down to. Mm, yeah. And then the older you get in the Lord, the more it's more like parallel and pouring down. Uh, because the very thing that I used to have other people be for me, I'm now for younger, younger, a lot of younger women and even mm-hmm. some women my age. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in the church, you can hopefully find some mentorship relationships. I have to say, honestly, Joyce Meyer mentored me, not personally. Mm-hmm. But I've been listening to her for so long. I bought, I bought so many of her cassette series so that's how long i've been listening to her (laughs) um i was back when she was not on tv and she was just on the the am radio i was listening Mm -hmm. to her so some scriptures i can only hear like it's joyce meyer's voice yeah (laughs) it's funny (laughs) so 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 there are people on tv or people now we can follow people on social media at which Mm -hmm. i have an instagram if you want to follow me Mm -hmm. so there can be mentors that way and then pray for god to give you mentors like I had my mom my mom didn't know who my dad was and my mom had a lot of trauma and she thinks my dad was my dad but I think she had so many issues with me she was never comfortable in my presence like I remember going to hug her she would cringe Hmm. um God did give me she did apologize right before she died and God gave me that and that's beautiful but Mm -hmm. um and I forgive her um but God gave me women because I had such a mean mom. But he, mm-hmm. gave, he gave me two things. He gave me women in my life who were controlling where I had to, like, get jobs. And I had to not quit and deal with it and heal mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, he gave me spiritual mamas. Yeah. yeah. And I got involved in things like ladies' Bible study. I got to know some of the women, the leaders in the church. And I think that's really important. And let me tell you, they're going to hurt you somewhat at some point. They're not going to be what you want them to be. So you got to give them grace. Yeah, because they're not perfect. And they may have been dealing with their own trauma as well. Yeah, they're not going to be perfect. But just take what you can get and, and, and do it with a lot of grace. Yeah. I'm glad you had mentioned your mother apologizing because that was going to be my next question. I'm assuming <laughs> forgiveness, I should say healing comes with forgiveness. How did you find, you know, yourself forgiving all these people that hurt you, ex-husbands, your mom, your dad, or anyone? How did you end up finding that forgiveness? Because I definitely think that's important. And probably I'm assuming step one of the healing process, I'm sure. Well, it's I don't, actually, it's not always step one. It depends on where okay. people are at. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are really angry and they need to get in touch with their sadness. Mm-hmm. Some people feel really guilty and they need to get in touch with their anger. 
and they may look forgiving, but they're actually absorbing all the guilt themselves and the shame themselves. And they actually need to pass through anger to get to true forgiveness. Hmm. Wow. So right? do you think that's why it takes long for people to forgive them? Well, it's, yeah, because we can, we, so when we're really little and our parents are behaving badly, a child cannot say, I think mom has a character issue. <laughs> and, I, and I forgive her and I'm not going to absorb that shame. Mm-hmm. No, a child says, I feel bad. She's in the way she's treating is making me feel bad. I must be bad. Mm-hmm. And so we internalize that. And so we have to break out of that into that was wrong. Yeah. And yeah. I'm mad to that was wrong and I forgive her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was that point for you? Well, I learned about forgiveness. Yeah, I learned about forgiveness pretty early on because I explained I was involved with the 12 steps for a while, um, Mm -hmm. which there's the 12 steps are great, but there actually is a lot more than that, you know, if you want to go through a healing process. Mm -hmm. But the the 12 steps, uh, you do this moral inventory and you look at your resentments and you look at it's a beautiful process. And I've incorporated some of this into my course. You look at everyone you're resentful at, what they did, what area it affected you in, and what your part is. And sometimes mm-hmm. your part, like with my ex-husbands, is marrying people who don't love me. Yeah. yeah. And so when I own that, it's easier to forgive them mm-hmm. because I'm bringing my stuff to the cross. Mm-hmm. I'm confessing my stuff that was underneath it that got me involved in it. Now, and not everything is like that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, trust me, I've, I've heard it all as far as trauma <laughs> because of what I do. So sometimes my part is maybe unforgiveness because, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe I was raped at gunpoint or something. So, mm-hmm. so your part wouldn't be, I'm not saying it was like we never want to own what's not ours. And maybe that's my part. Maybe my part is I'm taking on shame that doesn't belong to me. And so really looking at it and then choosing to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And it doesn't, one one more thing about that. Um, Forgiveness. So there's forgiveness with full reconciliation, but there's also forgiveness with partial or no reconciliation. And that's okay too. Like uh, with someone who's a pedophile, Mm -hmm. I forgive you. But I am not reconciling that relationship, right. and I'm not right. letting my kids around you ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, and the and forgiveness part was lucky in my mind, but whatever. Probably not exactly. very Christian-like of me, but <laughs> but I also want to go back to the therapy side of it because at least I know, especially in the black community, that that's shameful. Oh, I don't need therapy, you know. And and I think our go-to was just the church nothing wrong with that i'm not saying that right. there is but i do want to i want you to shed light just really briefly on the importance of maybe combination of obviously church accountability christ in combination with therapists and people right. like yourself and counselors and that support so maybe shed a little light on maybe debunking the shame of it i guess Lindsay, i love this question <laughs> okay so if i broke my arm i would not stop and think, is it biblical to go to the hospital? <laughs> what if the doctor is not a Christian? 
right? I mean, let's mm-hmm. really take this full on out. Like God should just heal. I should just go to church and get prayer. Mm-hmm. So we don't do that with our physical wounds, but, yeah. but with the wounds of our soul, we do. And I understand that the Bible does teach us a lot about healing the soul and that the Lord is the counselor. But I believe, too, when the word of God says he put gifts of healing in the body, that includes soul healing, that there are gifts, you know, and there's a reason I've gone through all the stuff I've gone through. There are probably multiple reasons, and I'm sure the enemy played a role in it, right? But Mm -hmm. God allowed it so that I could have this gift of healing. And and I want to say that just like we understand how the arm heals and we know what to do because of science, the science of healing the soul, we know so much today that we didn't used to know. Like even 30 years ago, counseling and psychology are so different. And there's so much more than just taking your thoughts captive, which I, it's powerful to take your thoughts captive. But we know how to heal trauma in some really powerful ways. We know how to regulate the nervous system through therapeutic interventions mm-hmm. that are neither that they're they're biblical but in the way that a, healing a broken arm is biblical it's like it's not a moral or not moral thing it just it, it works and we know god is pro healing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense yeah so so I do think it is good if you can find a good counselor who's a Christian to see a Christian, and especially if it's about certain things like marriage, for example. Mm-hmm. But when it's um, when we're dealing with trauma, so I, I'm going to say something kind of that might be a little shocking, but I might refer someone to a really good trauma therapist if I had to choose between a non-Christian but faith-respecting excellent trauma therapist versus a biblical counselor, but who does not know very much how to deal with trauma. Yeah. If someone, yeah, if if the issue is trauma, just like if the issue was a broken arm, I would go to the one who deals with trauma. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Makes sense. That makes total sense. Like I wouldn't go to the hospital to get my car worked Mm -hmm. on. (laughs) I I totally get that. So Dr. Bravo, we're, out of time, but I do want to recap and refresh. Um, you, you mentioned that you're in the North Carolina area. Maybe you can just quote again for our listeners where they can find you. So I want this to, to be your time of Instagram or your website or how people can people get in touch with you. Or maybe even invite them to your church and maybe where you, if you feel like sharing that. Sure. I, well, I go to a great church. It's Kings Park International. It's a very um, international church. We have all all skin colors and nationalities. It's really beautiful. But I do have a freebie for your your listeners. Um, Yeah. So if you, I have a book on 10 tools to overcome rejection, because I think that that is a very common little T trauma that we go through, sometimes a big T trauma. So Mm -hmm. you just go to www.drdrbarbara.com low l-o-w-e dot com and then forward slash rejection and you can also follow me on instagram and my website is drbarbaralow.com awesome and then for maybe those that are in your area where can one begin to like find maybe therapists in their local area is there like a national database or maybe how does one begin to find a trauma therapist should they need one 
I like the website psychologytoday.com, and you can even put in there Christian if you want someone who is a Christian. You can put in their ethnicity if you want a, um, a match on ethnicity, because I know that when we come to therapy, we are burying our souls, and there is an element of match, and that is okay. We can totally own that. We can we can shop around, so to speak, and us therapists understand that. And uh, if someone has a long waiting list or even a partial waiting list, it probably means they're good. <laughs> and, uh, I know you might need to see someone right away, but um, you might want to get on their, you know, if they have a shorter waiting list or uh, like if, if they have someone fall through, get on their waiting list. But um, don't be afraid to look for the right chemistry, the right match, um, even if it's a gender thing for you or a uh, racial thing for you. It's okay to seek what you are going to feel comfortable with. We understand yeah. that. That's good. I think people definitely need to hear that. And we're going to have all this written down in the description for our listeners as well. So, Dr. Bobber, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that God put it on your heart to, to reach out to us because you're speaking on things that we cannot speak on as a podcast because we have not had these experiences. So I think this was great. Listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch y'all next week. <laughs>